Welcome to the Messenger Podcast. I'm Lisa Bevere, and we're going to be talking about hashtag Me Too, hashtag Church Too. And I am so honored that I have someone joining me. Her name is Asha, and she is a, a, a fireball and a proponent for voice and truth. So I look forward to you listening with your heart. I think the church is way behind on this. I think it took them by surprise. I think there are some pastors that had no idea that their, um, let's just go with the hierarchy, fostered it. Um, mm. I think what you're saying is the Bible says we go to them, then we go with, a, then we go with somebody else. And then if they don't hear us, then we take it, we take it outside or we take, push them outside. The hierarchies that are in place right now actually probably don't allow for that. So, um, that's, I think that's the problem. Yeah. I think that is a huge problem. I do think that millennials are, are my son was saying, you know, we were, I was talking to my son yesterday in preparation for this. And he said, you know, millennials are tired of the pat answers. And, yeah. and yet they also, I think, are sometimes afraid of maybe some of the deeper answers and they feel betrayed. So he said yeah. sometimes there's, there's a need for outlet. And so I want to see us move from, yeah, I, well, first of all, I want to I want to affirm that when women do find their voice, they actually recover a little bit that was stolen from them, in whatever that encounter was, that misunderstanding, that uh, that sexual assault, that uh, betrayal of what you thought was family, who is not family for you. I, I know for me, um, that drove me in deeper into the presence of God because um, that because I can have people betray me, but. I've never had Jesus betray me. So I, I think that was my concern. And, and actually, uh, my, my ideology when I was thinking about that was a post where everybody was talking about all the stupid things that Christian women hear. And it had gone viral. And I actually direct messaged the person and said, hey, I love your heart. But this is actually probably not the right platform. Because when you're, when you're talking about these stupid things that Christian women hear, um, yes, everything you're, and I said, and I've, I've heard them this week. So I said, it's not that I disagree with you. I just think you're having a conversation with people that have no frame of reference for why people would even think they could say that. And I said, I'm trying to, and, and she is too. We're, I said, we're both trying to move, uh, move this, this position where I said the church, if it feels attacked, 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 it's going to take a defensive position. I think we need to actually have conversations where we say, guys, this is ridiculous. You know, but I said, when you throw it out on social media, you're going to get a mob. And again, that's right or wrong. That's my opinion. And again, it wasn't abuse. It wasn't illegal. It wasn't, it was just stupid stuff. Like, you know, women can't be sleeveless. Women can't, right. you know, women shouldn't do this or open toed shoes. Those kind of stupid stuff. And I've, you know, Asha, I've been, I've been in this for 30 years and here's the thing. I have loved that. I can see that there's been growth. And I love that I've been in the company of women who have like minds that are older and younger. And, um, but yeah, church too is, it's, it's a horrible thing. And I don't think that we should act like bad things don't happen in the church. When something is illegal, it's criminal. And when it's criminal, it goes outside of the church for the protection of those in the church. There's just no, there's no two ways about it. But, um, yeah, so I do think millennials are desperate for a family, and I do think that we, the way we do church needs to probably change because I don't see this kind of thing in the book of Acts or the early church. So what would, you know, like, again, it's great to have conversations with people that have had like bad experiences and maybe are disenfranchised with, hey, the way church is, is, is not 
what I see, how do we actually build what we see or what we hope for? I think you hit on an important point about what do we build? Because, you know, if we're going to, and I do think there needs to be a very specific dismantling of what is not serving people all the world. Uh, and that is the existing church structure structure. And, but there is something that needs to be built in that place because if we just destroy something, you just leave some sort of a power vacuum and it can, you know, leave room rife for something else horrible to rise up. So we do need to build something in the place of that. Um, I think it's important to find, you know, when we talk about social media, yes, it's easy to kind of pass it over as like, Oh, the, the Twitter mob and this and that and the other. Um, and I know that you'd mentioned that in, in your, um, post that, you know, that we were initially talking about on Twitter about the social media mob. Um, but I, I also thought it was funny that you used a Godfather quote at the end of that. Oh yeah. So no, it was, it was a, <laughs> listen, it was, it, you know, okay. For, so yes, no, yeah. Mob and mob. No, I totally, no, I, listen, if I could, if I could, uh, tear away a couple of days out of my life. I would love to do that, but I can't. But hey, but, it led to this conversation. So that's, well, and that's, I think it's a good thing. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to, to build. So yeah, there's things that need to be dismantled. And, um, but then I love that you said sometimes there's just a vacuum. So what do yeah. we do? Like, what do we do to build? I think it starts with listening to each other. I mean, uh, myself as, as a millennial ha- feeling very, disenfranchised and, you know, being in communion with a lot of, and communication with a lot of other millennials, whether they're part of the LGBT community, whether they are women, women of color, immigrants, people who feel like their voice isn't represented in in church. Mm -hmm. It's, we've kind of found like a new place to express ourselves, whether it's social media, whether it's blogs, um, you know, or podcasts. Um, There have been a number of those that I've kind of really been drawn to and, in a way that doesn't have a power structure where we feel like, okay, so this person's in charge and then these are the people who set the rules and then I'm just the late person. It's like, you know, like when we look at just the traditional patriarchal system, it's like a top-down approach, right? Mm-hmm. And so millennials are kind of looking at this new area where we're moving into and there's a community online called the Exvangelicals mm-hmm. Um and we're kind of, it's more like a middle out approach, you know, where we're looking at how can we all come together, bringing our own experiences and hurts and pains and talents and gifts in a way that brings even more people into the fold and raises awareness and kind of changes the equilibrium of what it means to be a person of faith or not anymore. You know, there are many people leaving the church because they were never um, supported or encouraged. And that breaks my heart because the church should have been the first place. So I think it starts with, listening to each other, leaders like yourself, you know, you're a very well-known author. You've traveled around the world. I think I actually saw you speak at a Hillsong conference years ago in Australia. Um, but you know, you're in a position where women are looking up to you. You have a story that you shared and you also are in communion with a lot of other leaders. It's, it's about using your platform and, and saying, Hey, come on, we need to, something needs to change. Why don't we listen to millennials? And, you know, I, I think a lot of us millennials are fed up of the, the think pieces and articles about how, oh, millennials are just walking away from the church. Well, instead of just making yeah, statements. We need to say why. We need to say exactly. Why. Yeah. Exactly. Anything that's difficult, it's our, we need to ask, like, what's the why behind that? And then that's when you start to kind of see, see things spring up and, 
you know, have a change of heart and, and, and open ourselves up to conversations because it's easy to look at anything like a monolith, like those millennials or those people who left the church or those quote unquote backsliders. But once you start hearing individual stories, all of a sudden that's, these are human people. These are people just like you and I, and we can relate to them. We can find common ground. And that's where we need to start. You know, look at the humanity in these people and realize that it's, it's not about, we, we need to forget about defending the church structure. Like God, if God is God and who, he is who he says he is, and if Jesus really is who he says he is, he doesn't need us to defend him. Like he's the all powerful. We need to look at ourselves and what we're doing and say, okay, how can we be better? How can we serve each other better? Um, and that's, that's another thing that I really see, you know, we, we shouldn't be so quick to close ranks around leaders. Um, and instead like lift up the lowliest people. That's what Jesus did. He didn't, you know, amass political power to, uh, to advance his agenda. He mm-hmm. went to the outsiders. He went to the people on the edge of society and lifted them up. And so that's, that's I think, what we need to start, do, what I would like to see more leaders doing and be willing to do that and be willing to be wrong. I've been to churches where, you know, that there's talk of, oh, that pastor doesn't apologize when he's wrong. I'm like, really? That's so heartbreaking and disappointing to hear that. And, you know, I, I think there needs to be, you know, these people, people who are anyone in a position of leadership, whether it's in our communities, whether it's schools, teachers, um, politics, churches, those leaders need to be the ultimate public servants and the servants to the people that are under them because, you know, otherwise power can be abused. And I think that's where it was good that you had made the very black and white distinction between in your post about, you know, if this is abuse and it is illegal, we, you know, you need to do what you need to do to be safe. And, but, you know, within the church structures that there have been a lot of blurred lines and gray areas, because while something may not be technically illegal by the law, it's, it's traumatizing to someone. And so how do we deal with that? Um, So yeah, that's a very long winded answer to say, I think it starts with, listening and learning from each other and being willing to maybe give up our power sometimes and give up our voice, give up our seat at the table so that other people can be invited into that place and and share about their life and where they're at. You know, I, I actually think that that was a, a beautiful unpacking of what I think we're all hoping for. And, you know, I would almost say there's only one thing I would disagree with. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a giving up, I think it's making room. Yes, so, you're right. You're right. No, yeah. and I'm not saying that to be mean, but I, I know. Uh, so last night we have, we have interns and they're, they're just, I mean, I, I just looked at the table and they were all sitting there last night and I thought, and I told, well, I actually told them, I said, each and every one of you are so much wiser, so much more talented, so much more gifted, so much more godly than I was at your age. And I considered it a privilege to answer questions that they would ask of me, but then there's certain things that I, I'm not navigating. I never had to navigate at their age and that mm. I can't, even, I can't even give them an answer on. So I really feel, Asha, that we're in this time period where we're the Acts 217, where God actually says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people, which means he's going to break ranks. He's going to pour out his spirit on all people, not just the people I think he should pour it out on, not just the people you think he should pour it out on. 
And he says, your sons and your daughters, your old men, your, your women, your visions, your dreams. And he said, they're going to prophesy. And to me, this, this prophesy thing isn't just like, oh, you're going to get married. It, it's, it's actually yeah. the ability to see chaos and speak order. It's the ability to see like wounding and speak healing. And I think that the situation we're in right now, we need all hands on deck. We need the male, the female. We need all races. We need all ages. We need all socioeconomic. We need people that are lay people and people that are church people, and they have to come to the table and have these conversations or it's not going to be healthy. And the funny thing is in my ridiculousness, um, that's actually what I actually tie to when I actually say, um, tell the family what you're thinking. You know, when I say you never mm. go against the family, but I said, that's not a gag order. It's an invitation to tell the family what you're thinking. But again, uh, I'm not, I'm not justifying that or anything. Like I'm just saying <laughs> that was my tell the family. Don't, don't not tell the family. Don't gag it. And um, so I think that's an important distinction to make because some people are in very unhealthy family situations, you know, and so which I think it is, leave. which, and, and which I actually told, uh, you, we were talking my, again, my son and, and I said, you know, it was kind of, um, there was a time period where John and I would just say, um, you stay and you grow and you plant and you flourish, but then there's becomes a soil that is toxic where you can't flourish. And your kids aren't going to flourish. And you have to, you have to actually say, I love Jesus, but this isn't healthy. And I'm going to have to go to where there is truly a family. And that's actually, I, I actually thought I was going to get a lot of kickback from saying, if it's, if it's not growing in grace and love, if, it's, if the leaders can't say they're sorry, then you do need to leave. You know, cause I, I, I think some people had in the Twitter thread that we had been talking yeah. on, I think there were one or two people that were, that had, an issue and I kind of did too you know where you, you'd said you know if it's not serving you move on and while in in itself that I think that is really good advice but there there also is a time and place to and depending on who you are as a person and what position you've been destined to take up it's it's not just about moving on it's also about calling it out because there mm -hmm. are people you know a, a leader like yourself you're in a position to call that out and expose it and speak about it and perhaps create a new path forward. Whereas for someone who is really hurt and had thought Doesn't that their family, that yeah. right. And so that for them, it is healthy and necessary to move on, but it also, it needs people who have, have that voice and have that privilege to speak up and say, Hey, this is wrong. I'm not going to sit around while this allows to fester, even though some people have moved on, it's going to keep happening to other people too. So that also needs to be, taken on and, and, um, weeded out. So, and I, yeah. and I totally agree. And, um, you know, it's again, like I said, this has been a, this has been a two edged sword for me. I, um, I want to learn and, um, I also want to hear and I also want to speak. And I think sometimes we can be so busy speaking, we're not listening. And, um, that this got my attention and it was like, wow, I, I mean, I knew, but I didn't know. Does that make sense? Like I knew mm. that the wounding was there, but I had no idea how much anger was attached to it because of for so long not being heard. And Asha, I would, I, I would say I feel like I have spoken out uh, consistently, but not necessarily intentionally on this subject. And so this was 
my move to do that. And I didn't feel like I could do it on my own. And so I really appreciate that you were willing uh, to come alongside me, share your story. And I hope that every single leader that is hearing this or would hear, wait a minute, where did I lose that? Where did I get the idea that I don't make mistakes or that I'm protecting Jesus Mm. by denying that I maybe have failed in certain areas or why do I think I have to protect God's reputation? I, I love the point that you made of he is the almighty and he, he can take care of himself and he is actually the one who wants to build his church, not us. And if we have built wrong, then we need to remodel, you know, and if things need to be removed down to the foundation, then that's what needs to happen. And I actually want that to be personally a reality in my own life individually. You know, if there's things that are mindsets that have come in that I'm unaware of that I've just culturally adopted, I don't want those in my life. And um, yet I also don't want to default to believing the worst of everybody. Um, So, you know, I think there's a tension there that we're going to have to walk. And I think that we live in a time period where we've heard the truth without love and that's harsh, but, but. Uh, a love without truth is a lie. So we we have to figure out, you know, we can't just, I don't want to believe this is the end of the story, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't want to believe. No, it's, the, it's definitely the beginning. I think we're seeing the, the growing pains of something really beautiful and, and seeing a lot of acknowledgement of people who have been very deeply hurt and emotionally wounded and traumatized. And, you know, I, I really am glad that a lot of these people are able to share their stories and make other people feel less alone, um, you know, in their experiences, in their churches, and especially in areas where maybe they don't have access to, um, you know, big cities and things like that, where on the online social media platforms do become their sense of community and they feel like, okay, I am affirmed. I am a human being. I deserve love and uh, equal opportunity and support and nourishment and all those things. So I think it's, it's really good that we can try and learn from one one another, like you said, and, and, um, you know, try and try and see this, what it, as a place of learning. I mean, you know, like it, it, when it says in the Bible, God, God's eyes roam to and fro across the earth to see who will go for him and, and who will stand in the breach. Well, I think that this breach is in our country right now in the world Mm -hmm. is just becoming more and more widening. And so Mm -hmm. are we going to stand by and let it happen so that we don't have to, you know, be close to those others over there, quote unquote, or are we going to be like, no, it's, it's time to kind of walk across the divide and, and change what we see. And so I, I think that's what we're seeing. And, and I think that's what this conversation I hope is about as well. Absolutely. You know, I, I believe that we're called to be repairers. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a pastor. Um, and I have the privilege of traveling to many churches and, and serving them. And I think most of the places I get to go would, would also agree with everything that we're saying. But I also know that there's more people under the sound of our voices right now, Asha, than I've ever gone to that may or may not be aware of what's going on or the feelings of this. And I, I, would, I would like you to actually speak to those people as a millennial and and issue a challenge to them to, you know, how can they invite people into a conversation? Like what, what would you tell them to say to the millennials? What would you tell them to say? Oh, that's a big question. Um, I guess I would just say, you know, if you have access to the internet and, and something like Twitter and Facebook, please look up the hashtag church too. And, 
you know, don't immediately go on the defense because these are real people sharing their stories. And yes, there are, there are anecdotes and one liners here and there, but the majority of them are people really sharing from the heart and they're wanting people to listen. They're wanting leaders to understand why they walked away or why they no longer call themselves a Christian or why they, why they associate, you know, disenfranchisement with God because of what the church has done to them or how the church failed them. So that's the first thing I would do. And the second thing I I would suggest is be in, you know, do life with millennials, not, not just your children or people in your own church community, but people from the, the opposite side of your world, you know, find out how other people live and ask them questions and learn about people because we're never going to grow and we're going to forever live in fear of the other if we only associate with our own kind. And it's easier to get set in our ways the older we get. You know, I, I find myself doing that in little ways and I have to challenge myself like, okay, you know, I think this way, but maybe there's another way of thinking of it that could also be just as healthy and right. And so I, I, I want to see more leaders do that and, you know, bringing more people to the table. And, you know, when, if it's something as simple as you're invited to speak on a panel or speak at an event or lead something or other, you know, invite people who have more expertise than you on an area and ask the organizers, do you have a diverse panel? Do you have women on your panel? Do you have people who are, you know, who think differently to myself on this panel to offer contributions and ideas and, you know, using, using your privilege, however you can to invite more people in and, and allow people to allow other people to other people's voices and stories to be heard. Um, Because at the end of the day, we're all human and we all want to feel like we belong. And, and if church leaders are out there and they they really do have a heart for people, then I hope that they, they would do what it takes. But yeah, re- read the stories under the church to hashtag. I think that that's a great start. And then I would, I would add to that, acknowledge them. You know, if you've read it, yes. acknowledge that you've read them because I think that that's not just uh, acknowledge that you read them and then apologize that you were either unaware or um, complicit. If, you know, again, of course, if you're an abuser, that's, that's a whole nother story, but yeah. you know, just, you know, I'm sorry that, that we didn't hear you. I'm sorry that we didn't have the structure for this. I'm sorry that you felt like you had to leave. And then I would also say to leaders, because I know this has been a personal challenge I have. Um, um, I'm lucky enough that actually who who was drawn to me is is some of the younger women, but um, be intentional. You know, there's a lot of things in the media that is going to tell you that millennials don't want a relationship with you. And, and, and you know what? You're going to need to be bigger than that. You're going to need to to move into saying "I'm sorry" and um, hearing and listening to them and being intentional and serving them. Because if not, everything you've learned the hard way is going to be lost. And so let's make sure that we have insight and wisdom from both generations, and just be intentional. I, I have, and authentic as well. And, and authentic, yeah, absolutely. And so. Um, Asha, I can't, again, I can't, I can't even tell you how much this means to me that you would take this much of your time. And, um, I'm, I'm really excited. We're going to have to make this two podcasts, (laughs) maybe three, I don't know, but that you would take so much of your time and, um, be so constructive with your input 
And I think that um, this is a learning opportunity for everyone involved. And I want to thank you for loving God and loving people and especially having opportunity to speak value to women so that everything that has decimated their self-image and their value is being restored. And I, I really appreciate that. And um, I just want to thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really um, enjoy the opportunity to chat with you and, and speak about difficult issues. I think it's a really, really great place to be in. And, you know, as, as difficult as these times are, I think there's, there's hope. I, I'm always trying, my name Asha actually means hope in Hindi. So I feel like I'm one of those people that I want to always look toward hope and feel like that things can get better, but it starts with us. And so I think that's, I think that's what we were doing today. So I'm glad. Absolutely. Well, okay. Thank you so much. I know you're in London and I just appreciate you um, taking the time and I appreciate you allowing me to have a conversation with you. So I, I'm hoping that what we have done here will model things for other people. Thank you so much, Lisa. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today. We actually love hearing from you. You can write a review, subscribe, share this podcast through iTunes. We want to hear from you. Until next time.